inhaling frequencies are open. Welcome, welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. Welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. Are you out of your mind? Watch and learn. This is going to be awesome. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. You are stopping to the core. I can smell it on you. Join us as we dive into the newest content coming available, as well as retrospectives of the past series and films. Do we need a mutiny today to prove who we are? Now, on with the show. We've only just begun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to that Star Trek podcast, your place for a detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. My name is Sean Ray, and I've kind of started wondering lately, are... Is the succotash suffering, or are we suffering the succotash? Hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> now I actually will think about that, Sean. <laughs> Joining me tonight in the historic Infinite Potato Studio, we ha- we have Jen. How are you? I don't even know what succotash is, but I- I'm I'm here and I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick is here as well. How's it going, sir? I think after our our uh, preliminary discussion i'm going to change my bathroom's name to the pattern buffer <laughs> oh that's so good i'm trapped in the pattern buffer <laughs> <laughs> he's been in the pattern buffer for 74 years <laughs> it comes out every once in a while <laughs> all just, right. just had one magazine the whole time <laughs> <laughs> and dave is here as well how's it going sir uh, it's going okay i'm i'm glad to be here Alrighty. Tonight, we will be discussing the third episode of Star Trek Strange New World's first season, which was titled Ghosts of Illyria, written by Akella Cooper and Bill Walkoff, and directed by Leslie Hope. The original air date was May 19th, 2022. Una must confront a secret she's been hiding when a contagion ravages the ship, incapacitating the rest of the crew. All right. So what are our initial impressions? Jen, what do you think of this episode? I know I always have to go first. <laughs> well, ladies first. <laughs> okay. Um, I liked it for the most part. There were a couple of small details I wasn't too fond of, but it was nice to have an Una-centric episode. Um, at first, when they started doing the whole, oh, everybody's getting sick, I was like, oh, please don't make it the naked time or the naked now. Please don't make it. No, 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 don't, 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 don't do it. Don't. Don't do it. Because everyone started going, oh, I'm getting hot and I'm taking my clothes off. I kept thinking it was going to be that. No, luckily it wasn't. But it was very on the nose for COVID. (laughs) (laughs) In in some capacity. Uh, But otherwise, I thought it was really great. And we got a couple of really nice Pike and Spock moments on top of all the Una stuff. Uh, We got a little bit more about Leon, uh, which we already knew. But (laughs) whatever. Uh, Some more detail about Una. um, A really great Ortega scene. And overall, I I enjoyed it. Like I said, just a couple of teeny tiny details I wasn't too fond of. But there you go. All right. Dave, what about you? Um, Very short episode. Um, I liked it overall, but I felt like it really needed room to breathe. Like the big reveals, because we got like three of them, didn't really feel big. I didn't care. Like I, like I was saying on, on my show, um, I was, uh, we may have, this may have needed to be like episode six and like, you know, layer in the, uh, the Mbenga mystery a little bit. Like, what is he hiding? Also, they could have told us why he's hiding it exactly. Cause it, that just seems like a thing. He'd be like, Hey dude, my daughter's sick. And Pike would be like, cool, do what you got to. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> It doesn't seem that complicated, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, a lot like all of the uh, the big reveals fell flat for me. But whatever. Yeah, I did. I, did, I never really got the uh, got the gist that uh, they would have just taken this little girl and just. No, I'm sorry, she's just gonna have to die. Like 
I mean, you can't have this strain on this particular transporter. Sorry, doctor. <laughs> All right, Rick, what did you think? I, I enjoyed it overall. Um, you know, it's well known that I enjoy being pandered to, uh, but this <laughs> season, this series doesn't, they are really leaning hard into TOS style as opposed to specifics. Um, you know, the Illyrian being, you know, non-corporeal ghosty beings, the, oh, we think they're coming to hurt us, but they're really helping us, mm -hmm. uh, transporter problems, ion storms, uh, ensign dipshit. They're really leaning into the, 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 the TOS isms. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, didn't mind it. I enjoyed the episode, but I think they're really trying a little too hard and I hope they kind of back off on that a little bit. Um, but, you know, things like those jackets, those away jacket, I want one. I don't care if I have to sell my kid for it. I want one of those jackets. <laughs> well, okay, maybe a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the performances uh, and, and yeah, it, it did wrap up really quickly but then there's very little that's more star trek than 43 minutes of problem and two minutes of solution so yeah well it was 38 minutes it was, very oh, was short. It, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was pretty short <laughs> um i enjoyed it overall but i'll be honest i think the first the first half of the episode was middling because i felt like this was something that we've seen a million times you got uh, there's a contagion on board and it's taking over the ship and there's and there's a couple of crew men that we can't beam up for some reason i thought that they gave us some false starts because um I, dave made a joke last week i think about what ghosts of illyria meant that it wasn't gonna you know it, I, I, it wasn't gonna be ghosts we knew that but um <laughs> but oh, yeah, okay that. So when they started beaming up and they said ion storm, I was like, Oh God, not the, not the Mary universe, please not the Mary universe. And then, um, and then when they uh, started to lose their pattern, I thought, okay, they're going to be the ghosts because their pattern is going to get dispersed into the atmosphere or something. And they're going to be like, they're going to be doing the whole Jordy row thing where they're <laughs> like going through walls and stuff like that. Um, but you know, then a you know, then I figured out is oh, these fire creatures. This is like something from Deep Space Nine, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, I don't know. It, the, the first half of it just seemed like it had been done a million times. Now towards the end of it, when we started learning some new things about Una and uh, and stuff like that, I, I like I like the episode overall, and I like the way it wrapped up. But yeah, it 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 did seem like um, Contagion stories are not the best to do in your first 10 episodes of a new Star Trek series, because I mean, and yet every Star Trek series seems to want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the next, the next generation basically remade the naked time uh -huh. in, yep. their, mm -hmm. in their, what was it? Their second episode or third? It was episode? number yeah. two. It was yeah. number yeah. two. <laughs> um, we got to so. mention Kirk and the enterprise quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when it got to the halfway point and they did that scene with Hammer in the transporter room, I, I knew something different was coming, especially with number one, just walking down the hall with his body over her shoulder. Like it was nothing. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I immediately, at first I kept thinking, Oh no, she's been genetically altered. And then she, she went on to admit she's Illyrian, which she looks nothing like the Illyrians from enterprise, but that's fine. She well, let's talk about that for a minute because I read, I have read different things. I, I've read that the Illyrians, from enterprise i've read that they are the same illyrians and i've read that they're not the same illyrians that these are just di like different species than they're both called illyrians i thought they had said that they they were spread out both in this episode on and on enterprise but if they're all genetically modifying themselves there could be just sects of pe of groups of them you know just modifying themselves in a specific way yeah mm -hmm. because that that episode of enterprise i if they when I heard Illyrian, I was like, man, if they're, if they're calling back to that, that's almost like, um, what's the, what's the uh, Deep Space Nine episode where he's, uh, where he's uh, talking to the camera through the whole thing? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Pale Moonlight? In pale Moonlight? Yeah, Pale Moonlight. This kind of, you know, where your, your captain does this really dark thing. 
you know, <laughs> I mean, like really dark thing. And uh, if they were calling back to that, but I, I figured out pretty quick that they're not, they're mm-hmm. not doing that. It's just, yeah. it's something else. They're just, although the same race, but Una deleting her log entry was like straight out of that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. That's true. With, without the emotional punch. Yeah. But um, for listeners, if you, if you don't know, <laughs> that there was an enterprise episode that had the Illyrians where basically uh Archer and crew stole their warp drive. Took, yeah. I mean, yeah. they were, they were like, they, they, they became pirates and they took yeah, their yeah, warp pretty much. I had an argument and left, with, them, left yeah, them stranded I, there. I had an argument with Mr. Jen and he was just like, well, no, they stole it back. It was their warp drive to begin with. No, <laughs> it was not. They flat out no, took it. <laughs> they, they, yeah. That was the only warp drive that they could get and they took yeah. it. And they, mm-hmm. And they didn't even go on that. like we'll come back for you. No, we no, they didn't. No, they just left them there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they but they didn't they didn't call back to that. So uh, we ended up getting a pretty decent episode about people being being more than the place that they came from, and uh, and a little bit about trust. You know, it was it was really a complex episode that wrapped up in kind of a silly premise which is on par for Star Trek sometimes, you know. So, all right, well, let's get into the plot a little bit. So the Enterprise is investigating the abandonment of Illyrian colonists with Illyrian culture revolving around genetic modifications. They have largely been banned by Federation policy, so they won't accept them into the Federation as long as they're doing these experiments or whatever. But but then they're, they're all gone. They're not there, you know. So... Um, With a massive ion store rapidly approaching the site, number one and most of the landing party are able to safely return to Enterprise eventually. (laughs) Hammer has to do some finagling to to get them up there, but um, Pike and Spock are forced to take shelter as the storm disrupts the Enterprise's Enterprise's ship systems. So uh, the landing party that were able to return to the Enterprise are exhibiting strange symptoms uh, calmed only by the presence of light and they're willing to hurt themselves to get closer to it. And we see two times that somebody tries to use the transporter to basically destroy the, or not the, the transporter both times. They, they, it was him who tried to use the transporter to beam a piece of uh, the a mantle the, from the planet. Like, yeah. Like magma the from the middle of the planet uh, <laughs> up. And then um, Ortega is it Ortega. Ortega tries to basically, um, destroy the ship with the warp pour take the that was leon Leon. oh okay yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah i didn't i don't you mentioned ortegas before i don't didn't see her in this she was no she they i i'm gonna say that they're by non are they they no she goes by she but yeah but i'm i think at least the character she has gone by she in so far in the in the yeah but ortegas was in the hallway when that first red shirt ended up smashing his face through the wall that oh that was oh that was ortegas again oh, okay yeah it was, you're right yeah. she yeah. said whatever freaks your tweak or tweaks your freak <laughs> or whatever right. it was yeah <laughs> all right so i gotta uh, say that that graphic in engineering when hammer rerouted power was freaking sweet the the 3d rend, uh transparent view of the enterprise and then showing the the, the power transfer yeah pathways i thought that was awesome yeah there uh, by the way I, I i hope that at some point we're going to get to the endearing part of him being you know a lovable asshole but right now he's just an asshole well Who most is? most engineers hammer? are hammer oh. the 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 guy in engineering that the i i thought that was supposed to be the funny thing about him is that that's just his that's yeah but just they, his, they uh, keep saying that he's blind but he keeps looking at everybody like Okay. Well, I, I mean, he's got yeah, antenna. Man. He can see. He even told. He even told number one. You know, she gave him a look, and she. He said, "I can sense that expression." He's like, "I know." <laughs> um, but I did like in uh, in engineering when the they when they called that there's going to be a ship wide lockdown or whatever. He just he snaps went. his fingers, <laughs> and everybody knew exactly where to go. I was like, well, he's got his. Uh, he's got his department working mm-hmm. like clockwork. Just uh, imagine the antenna as Jordy's visor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he said in the last or the first time that we met him that his senses are uh, much better than an average person or whatever. 
even without the because i mean the, the thing with his species is that they were like they're naturally blind i mean that's just they're all born that way it's not like it's something that he lost you know so evolution has created their senses to be uh much more enhanced but i am curious as to why his antennae aren't animated like in enterprise because budget <laughs> all the yeah the, <laughs> I, I think I that was a. I don't think Paramount's hurting for money right now. <laughs> I just I wonder if that was a little distracting, or if they just thought that might be a little distracting if the antenna are just like going moving around randomly the way they were on Enterprise. But I don't know. It could. I mean, it, it made for some funny moments, you know, where they they'd stand up when they were surprised about something or something like that. But. Um. Okay, so Dr. Mbanga and Chief uh, Hammer are puzzled by this development, not detecting any biocontaminants while theorizing on whether the landing party were exposed to unknown pathogens on the planet's surface. Uh, but then the virus or whatever it is starts spreading to people that weren't even that weren't even on the landing party. And Mbanga links the attraction to light to a noticeable vitamin D deficiency. And, and uh, you know, every, everybody starts to get it. Mbang gets it. Hammer gets it. Uh, Lon gets it. And um, number one gets it, but then, like, it goes away. Like, we see her, like, turn all fiery or whatever, light up, and then it, like, goes away. And the way she, like, the way she, like, stood up straight and, and it reminded me of Khan and the augments going... Mm -hmm. that, yeah that's what it reminded me of like she was willing it to go away or something yeah. like that yeah yeah so um immediately recognizing the gravity of the situation number one orders a shipwide con confinement to quarters for non-essential personnel to prevent the contagion from spreading further i just thought of something that i wanted to bring up a minute ago and i forgot about it but the transporter room is huge compared to <laughs> Well, Una, Una's, ship everything is huge. Yeah. <laughs> look at Una's quarters. It's like, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can I can kind of understand why they would want to expand the quarters and stuff, but there's certain things on the ship that you wouldn't think that they would make smaller when they refit it later. Like the turbo lift alone is bigger than the original series hangar bay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, which I'm not saying I want the I want the <clears throat> ship to be made out of you know wood and cardboard like the tos enterprise was but you know size size matters <laughs> that's what i am say. saying that <laughs> i am saying that wood and cardboard that's <laughs> string make that make all the computer wires out of string um Everybody, okay you want to save some cost i got gotcha. you let's do this <laughs> Number one, and Mbanga deduce that the contagion is spread across light waves and they decide to sedate the infected. So, yeah, they, they determine that if they turn off all the lights, they'll be able to stop the spread. But if they turn off the lights, everybody's going to basically go nuts. So should should we uh, should we sedate everybody? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I just but, how not dark the ship got after they turned off the lights. <laughs> Yeah, my wife was my wife was not really watching. She was doing something else, but she she kind of was half listening. And uh, there was one scene when number one was walking down the hallway after the lights were supposed to be off, and it was all lit up. Why? I thought they turned the lights off. Yeah, but those are the auxiliary lights. <laughs> oh, my my thing was like her is like I have to sleep in pitch black, and then like Una gets inside of her pod and closes the thing. And it's Blue. still, yeah, it's like it's not black at all. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, I couldn't sleep in that. What are you talking that, about? That, yeah, that would that would make me um, go nuts. I'm not claustrophobic, but I don't think I'd be able to sleep in in a little closet like that. <laughs> I, I'd be cool with that. I, I wouldn't have a problem. The thing I thought was was bizarre is okay, y'all. If you're not watching the video, uh, I'm going to try to describe what I'm doing. But Una gets into uhura's bed which first of all dude <laughs> it's like this big it's huge, really teeny tiny then she lays down and she puts both of her hands together under her head <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. i was like 
and I'm like, <laughs> cartoons and two-year-olds pretending to sleep do that. No real person sleeps like that. <laughs> when a real person, and I've, I've done that, it's, it's a weird thing. I've seen other people do it. When someone is trying to mimic going to sleep, they do that shit. It's yeah. real weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Sharon wants to say goodnight. She's got to go to bed. Okay. We haven't had a Sharon cameo in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, hang on. Hi. Let me turn up. Hi. So can hear him. Okay, go ahead and say hi. 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 Is that what you want to say? Say good night, Sharon. Good night, Sharon. And I'm a Hufflepuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrong cast. This is a Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Actually, actually, Sharon, come here. Come here. Let- I want you to pretend my shoulder is your pillow. Pretend to go to sleep. Okay. Oh, she didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all. Thank you. <laughs> she'd, just, she'd stay there all night. You know that. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pecked you. Yes, you pecked me. That's her thing now. She pecks. But yeah, I don't, I mean... I have to avoid saying that she's a really good pecker because that just would not be something I'd ever want her to. <laughs> tell I wonder people. if it was just a thing where um, I don't know. I don't know why they would do that. It, it, it it's it was obvious that she wasn't really going to sleep. She was just pretending to. She was just laying down. So maybe she just wanted a barrier between her face and uh, another it, person's pillow. You know, when when she first laid down and she was laying, you know facing one way and then she did that and i was like all right and then uhura was like no i slipped the other way and then she flipped over and did it again <laughs> like yeah. what the hell well also when they determined that uhura wasn't affected be or infected because she was in the dark but now she's out does that mean that she's infected now well they I mean, said she was infected but it wasn't she wasn't having any symptoms okay That's i don't what remember they said. that but yeah but yeah, it's uh, I, so I don't know what the rules of this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this I was confused are. too. I was like, okay. Um, but okay, so number one is forced to stun Hemmer when he attempts to beam aboard a raw piece of the planet's mantle for its light and heat. And he even says, you know, you don't know what he's doing at first. I assumed that he had an idea, you know, and and then he says, uh. I got to get the force field down so I can feel it on my skin. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, she later stops Laon from uh, overloading the Enterprise's engines to boost its light and heat input by a whole lot. And, uh, and it's revealed that they, you know, they have this exchange there where um, she's a genetically engineered Illyrian herself. So, uh, this uh heritage gives number one a degree of immunity from the contagion that's why i kind of thought that the illyrians from enterprise were not the same illyrians because she doesn't look like that yeah that's what this episode should have been called degrees of immunity (laughs) (laughs) well i mean think about uh what was the 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 trill on tng um odon no odon was the other guy um but the trail that beverly fell in love with yeah mm-hmm. that was odon yeah oh it was it was odon you're right mm-hmm. um and then you know jadzia and every trail since didn't look anything like that so yes. you know that, was, that was because that was actually that explained because they tried that ridge on her head and it didn't look good so yeah they, they didn't uh, rick berman didn't want her looking anything other than like a fashion model because i thought yeah. that was gene well okay whichever but no anyway. gene had nothing uh, to do with ds9 Okay. Gene was dead. Yeah, um, he was gone by then. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very homogenized, wonderful, nice way of, of saying what I've heard, what I've read over and over again is that some producer said, Why the hell you have all that shit on her face? She's hot. She's supposed to be gorgeous. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, Well, that's what the trill looked like. And they were like, Ah, put the shit from Fomka on her. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, they redid yeah, that, it. That, I mean, that was Berman. Gave her the dots. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I figured it was Berman, <laughs> but much like we don't know for sure that it was Gene that tried to have sex with um Grace Lee Gra- Whitney and Grace then Whitney, fired yeah. her. Mm-hmm. You know, we all yeah. assume it's going to be him, but it was yeah. just a producer, yeah. high level producer, somebody in charge. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that I mean that was that was a redesign of the of, of the aliens. This wasn't a redesign. This was completely taking away because she just looks like a human. Person. Well, if, but again, you know, like what, what, what I forget which one of y'all said it. If they, you know, if if genetically engineering themselves is what they do, then you yeah. know the the uh, uh, philology. What's what's the word for the outward appearance? Anyway, you know that's child's play <laughs> well I, I figured she also made herself look human so she could get into starfleet mm. well i don't know like because they come from some book They're, they come from books the illyrians were first mentioned in books and mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. what they were supposed to look like there so i don't i don't remember no no but uh back at the uh abandoned colony Meanwhile, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, yeah. <laughs> Ike and Spock are, <laughs> have barricaded themselves in the archives as the Ion Storm overtakes it with uh, these plasma beings um, detected within the storm itself. And I like Spock's just like, Captain, I cannot wait to read this. Then <laughs> <laughs> just start reading it, you know. It's like, well, you, you, can, you can do that later. Let's get out of here first. <laughs> <laughs> that does uh, seem like Spock. Yeah, <laughs> like he's always got that tricorder. Like, no, well, no, I'm checking up on the situation before you do some <laughs> some rash shit. <laughs> um, I did later in the episode, towards the end of the episode, after the storm is over and they're leaving, and that other scroll pops out of the wall, and Ethan Peck says, "Fascinating." <laughs> yeah, like, he sounded exactly like Leonard Nimoy when he said that. Yeah, and he also said, "Indeed." He's been- <laughs> He's been practicing records. Yeah. He's, he's really hitting records. those O's sensors yeah. and yeah. these records, Captain. Mm-hmm. Was so, I the only when we when we saw the, the ion ghost? Was I the only one with oh, it's the colonist? Yeah, I did. I, I, did yeah, too. I figured as much. Too. I also wrote who you yeah. going to call because they, you know, three of them went no. towards the window and then did that split off. And like, yeah, that's that's yeah. A Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right yeah. There. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I'm a king. so when I saw him, the first thing I said was, oh, fire rates. And then Ooh. I said, uh, no, mm. yeah, it's the colonist, obviously. And when they tried to get in the door and they fought him off and they actually succeeded in fighting them off, I was like, they're trying to help. They're not mm-hmm. bad guys. They're trying to help. And then, uh... Well, yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't guess that right away. I guess that it was the colonists, but I didn't know that they were trying to help. Uh, I didn't know why they would be trying to kill them unless they just had some secret that they didn't want revealed about themselves or whatever. Yeah. Like one of them finally makes it in and goes, I lost my phone. <laughs> but, I, but I also I also thought once we found out that it was the colonists, I kind of thought that they were going to figure out a way to save them at the end because that's kind of a Star Trek thing to do too. True. And they didn't, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, there was all so <laughs> so much they could have done in that extra, you know, twenty minutes they had <laughs> <laughs> for a streaming show that mm. doesn't have any time limits. Well, I mean, yeah, they don't technically have any time limits, except there there are some markets where they're airing it on TV, so they try to keep the episode length at like a TV length, you know, where they can put commercials in, and it'll still be like an hour. But, um, but yeah, you're right on streaming. They should be able to at least give us it. I would like for the people that watch it on streaming and don't wait for it to come out on DVD later or whatever, give us the uncut version. (laughs) You know, we're watching it first run, you know, we're giving you our money immediately. Let's see the uncut version. Give us the full thing. And then I do wonder if they'll do like TNG style stuff where it's like strange new worlds with, deleted scenes added back in for extended episodes on the blu-ray release mm. yeah yeah well you know i mean discovery has blue i don't know if they've got added i haven't watched any of them but i don't know if they put deleted scenes on the blu-rays for discovery or anything like that uh if you've watched uh blu-rays for discovery let us know because a lot of people you know they don't want to subscribe they just wait until it comes out on blu-ray and then they buy it i have all of the blu-rays of discovery so i'll i'll look and see if they say anything about it on the packaging but i haven't noticed it it seems like um deleted scenes and director's commentary and that's happening less and less these days yes Mm -hmm. sadly yeah like dvd sales are dropping because of streaming so yeah Yeah. exactly 
Well, I mean, putting stuff like that in is going to is going to at least get the collectors to come out and buy your product, you know. Yeah, but there's not enough collectors to really make make it pay. <clears throat> so that that's why we won't ever get a uh, you know, an up well, one of the reasons we won't we will almost not uh, okay. Never is a big word, but there's a very slim chance that we'll ever see uh, a Blu-ray remastered DS9 because the Blu-ray remastered TNG project lost money, lost a mm-hmm. shitload of money mm-hmm. for the yeah. amount of work and, that they had to put into it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, T- the the TOS remaster made money, and so they went, "Hey, let's do TNG," and then they lost a lot of money because nobody was interested because you know TNG looked pretty good to start with. Yeah. And so it wasn't that huge of a leap. Um, you know, DN, or now DS9 looks like crap because they shot 90% of it on video and they know, you know, they don't have the, the, the you know, the, the, uh, the special effects were also shot on video. Well, no, mm-hmm. they were shot on film, but the whole thing was mastered on video. So there yeah. are no negatives to go back and remaster. So they'd have to do all the vi- visual effects from scratch. Yeah. And no one's going to might as well be making a yeah you're making a new show at that point here's what i don't understand someone explain this to me a lot of people on twitter and whatnot who will tell me you're being ridiculous for liking the old tos aesthetic better will sit there and bitch all day about ds9 and voyager not being in in hd and i'm like it's just aesthetics what do you care you got the story Mm -hmm. (laughs) like why, why are we worried about visuals? Well, they showed that. I mean, you guys all, you all went to see uh, what we left behind when it was when it was yeah. released. And, and yeah, we saw it. Yeah. So they had that little documentary at the end that kind of told a little bit of why it'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because every every not only was everything like you said, it, it's all on video and everything, but it's also everything's mixed up. Yes. Yeah. The episodes, the scenes are mixed all in with each other. So somebody would have to literally go in and recatalog everything that they do have and then remaking all that uh all the visual effects from scratch the the budget would have to be like making a whole new series you know so yeah and, and then there just would, aren't enough people be, that would buy it what would you charge for that you know and when they when they put it out uh, when they put tng out on blu-ray they tried to market by putting a few episodes out in theaters for like a special one night event and but it was like encounter at far point you yeah know? like i don't want to go to the theater and watch encounter at far point i don't want to watch encounter at far point on my tv i know but, yeah. <laughs> but it's like you know we're releasing we're releasing the the first season on dvd so come to the theater and you'll see encounter at far point in the naked now on the big screen i'm like oh yay <laughs> And that, what, that was like the Phantom Menace in 3D. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those things where, like, I was just talking about it on my on my show. Um, Paramount has always done a tremendously terrible job uh, of advertising Star Trek. They yeah. just have, like, when mm-hmm. they were like, I didn't find out until like two years after they released TNG on Blu-ray that they had most, like, a bunch of them were extended episodes with scenes that were deleted previously. They wanted to keep in, but they had to cut for commercials. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't know that they were doing that. Why didn't I know that they were doing that? I have starships hanging from my ceiling in my <laughs> living room. Yeah. <laughs> this is a failure, not on my part, but of Paramount's, Paramount's part, because they didn't, or CBS, or whoever it was. Like, But they've always, traditionally, whether it was one company or two companies, done a terrible job of advertising star trek of quality control like dvd packaging is shit like it always has been like you go to open it after buying it and just like three quarters of it falls apart yep like it's mm, yeah well i I, i'll I'll only take issue with you on the the both issues of the tos blu-rays were gorgeously packaged. The first, yeah, the first I set the in, first those, yeah. in those those plastic Tri- plastic tricorder looking plastic tricorder yeah. shaped ones. That was great. And then the 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 Blu-rays were you know I I own them. I my I, my wonderful wife gave them to me for my birthday one year, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful. The packaging is gorgeous. Now they're releasing like metal, you know, steel box ones. I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm not buying this three times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I have the first two that you're talking about, and yeah. like they are gorgeous. I I almost bought like resin and everything so I could like 
make the entire my entire star trek collection like those original hd uh tos mm-hmm. dvds and uh but the the packaging just it, they do they fall apart if you use them too much like yeah. if you just open them it's like all of a sudden like when a little thing snaps off and like they fall out and it's just oh my god yeah but you're right they're terrible you know they've always taken star trek for granted that they've always thought of it as just sort of this this thing we happen to own and there's a few rabid fans so you know we can we can guarantee that we'll make x amount of money and it's it wasn't until discovery i think that you know the paramount executives finally figured out that you know look, look back to upn uh, voyager launched the freaking network mm-hmm. you know yeah. and uh if you look at like early color and i know we're way out in the weeds here now and i'm sorry folks but um you know you look at at uh anytime there's a tv ad nine times out of ten if they're trying to advertise how amazing the picture is going back to 1960 freaking six um you've got to start a picture of a star trek show on that screen yeah, uh, either Star Trek or Star Wars or some generic sci-fi thing or maybe football, you know, um, <laughs> but it, I, you know, it wasn't until I think that this new era of Trek where some execs went, you know what, we're sitting on a freaking gold mine here. Yeah. And we've been ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, what you mentioned a few minutes ago, Dave, about the um, the episodes being recut for you know for syndication or whatever i never noticed it because i most of most of my star trek watching when i was a kid was in was the reruns you know Mm -hmm. Mm um but i remember i recorded um all good things when it originally aired i recorded it on vhs and i probably watched it a hundred times and then when they re-ran it in syndication a year or so later I noticed that was the first time I noticed it. Man, this is, you know, they're cutting stuff out. They're cutting mm-hmm. a lot of stuff oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's and it's and it's weird because it was aired as a two-hour episode, and then when they put in the syndication, they put it out as two one-hour episodes. So it should be the same content, but no, we got to put more commercials in there. We got we yeah. got to sell more diapers. You know, we got to sell more dishwashing liquid. But, but not only those- not only that, like on the Blu-rays, they they put scenes in that they never aired. Yeah, they, they wanted new to stuff, have. completely new stuff. Yeah. yeah, stuff they wanted to have and mm-hmm. never had the time for. So, well, you know, I've been watching mm-hmm. TOS since I could talk. Uh huh. Probably, probably earlier, <laughs> and it wasn't until I got these Blu-rays that I saw some scenes in some of these episodes because I never saw them in first run. So it was always, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon after I got home from school. Uh, and they they were not in any way gentle about just ripping whole scenes out so they could cram yep. some more ads. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's how I felt when I watched uh the Twilight Zone for the first time on on the Blu-rays. I was like, man, they're leaving in all the cigarette ads and everything. Like- <laughs> Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble smoking Winston cigarettes. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they taste good, Barney. <laughs> Even when I smoked, I never went, mmm, yummy. Uh- <laughs> yeah. It's, it tastes good like a cigarette should. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so the plasma creatures break into the archive room, and they but they shield Pike and Spock from the ion storm until it passes a safe distance away from the colony. Before being transported back to the Enterprise, Spock realizes that the beings were the missing Illyrian uh, colonists who succumbed to enigmatic conditions of the planet. Um, and then uh, they also they determined that the Illyrians were going to stop their genetic testing so that they could join the Federation. That, that, Not just that's what stop. Was in that. They were going yeah. to reverse, reverse their it. engineering. Yep. Which is yeah. why they died or died <laughs> well yeah i kind of got the the idea that what happened to the people on the ship where they were like trying to get to the light or whatever mm-hmm. is what happened to them and they went running out into that storm and got hit by plasma i think they actually said that or spock said it or somebody said it that they yeah. theorized that's what happened to them so mm-hmm. so and yeah and then and then something about their genetic makeup caused them to fuse with the atmosphere and it was a very tos hand wavy explanation yeah, yeah. pretty much <laughs> <laughs> all right so um number one confesses her Illyrian heritage to pike and her genetic augmentations that are banned by starfleet and pike 
dismisses her offer to resign, reaffirming him her place on the Enterprise. Um, which I mean may cause him some problems later if it comes out that he covered it up, but I don't know. You know, he's Pike, so he's Chris Pike. he can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> yeah. You know what I want to see if this ever comes when this comes out on DVD, if there was a take where he, he takes the badge and I'm like, you're not gonna put that back on her. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hands it to her and I'm like I'm wondering if there was a scene where he just went boink <laughs> yeah I was waiting for him to go <laughs> uh, you know a lot of the uh, the drama of her like revealing herself to Pike was taken from me because of that first scene where he was like yeah it's crazy how uh, we're still all upset about genetic genetic engineering yeah well yeah, I'm like well clearly he doesn't give a shit yeah even though there's two genetically now that we know there's two genetically engineered people on the ship so it's like why two line i don't think no she's not genetically she's not genetically yeah she's just related yeah okay but remember near the end she went you throw a hell of a punch well there is there is genetic altering in her dna because of her ancestry yeah but she herself wasn't i'm just saying that yeah she's from a lineage of eugenics yeah. i think yeah. she just kicks ass i mean I, <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed the fight choreography um you know i thought that was that was some some good stuff uh there wasn't any kirk foo involved it looks like some yeah some legit uh some legit punches there i, I um, apologize if i said this on this show or if it was by other show i don't know but uh she is a space seed so <laughs> <laughs> No, you haven't said it here, and okay. yes, that, I'm glad you apologized ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. and then I apologize the, uh, for all of my humor. The part of the the part of the plot that came out of left field, Mbanga um, admits to number one that the contagion spread was made possible by his insistence not to upgrade the ship's. It, it says the ship's transporters, but I took it that it was it's, just, the, just the, the medical, medical transporter. The medical yeah. one, yeah. It, no, the they, they, they very clearly said medical transporter. Yeah. yeah. During the, the extensive refit that the ship had gone through because he wanted to care for his daughter, who he was keeping, which, by the way, Memory Alpha, you got it wrong. It's not a mysterious creature that he calls his daughter. They said it was his daughter. <laughs> It was, it was his daughter. Even Sarah. She's just was a look, little girl. <laughs> I was looking through uh, Memory Alpha to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, go through my notes and stuff. And it's and it said uh, a mysterious creature that he calls his daughter. I was like, it, he says it's his daughter. I mean, okay. So um, he's keeping her in the pattern buffer <laughs> until he can find the cure for her cagnochemia? Is, is yeah, it's a, it's a version of leukemia that they don't have a cure for her yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember xenopolysithemia, but I can't remember what uh, what he said. Um, the two's uh, trust in each other, and the crew and the crew's trust reinforce the officers feel more comfortable to embrace who they really are as the Enterprise departs, ready for its next mission. So, but she basically tells him, "Look, we're not. I'm not going to punish you. You're not going to. You're not going to quit Starfleet or anything. We're going to get a dedicated power source." I was like, but the power source wasn't the problem with well, transport. <laughs> well, but it, but it's it's part of the network. What what she, I, the way I took it was that we're going to take this transporter and separately power it so we can disconnect it from the other transporters, and it'll just keep your daughter alive. What I don't get, and I hope they go into it because yeah, I'm I'm, I'm like uh, hope hope is the operative word here is why. Did he have to be so secretive about this? You know, he's yeah. he's the freaking CMO of a starship. He even says it. You know, yeah. he's got some pull. <laughs> so. I think he get. More, I think he at this point he would get in more trouble because he was so secretive about it and put everybody at risk. Yeah. And if he had just been honest and look, I'm trying to save her. I don't want her to die. She's only got. I think they said uh, she's got like I, 12 months to live or something, something like that. Like that. So, so he, she like yeah. those are days. So she's stuck like that. I'm like, yeah. well, I just want to bring her a, out. I want to bring her out every night and read her bedtime story, which that that almost got me when he brought her out just to read her a bedtime story. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. But for no. her, of course, it's just she just feels like every time she like every second of the day, she he's just reading her the same story. Because yeah. he is, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, but for her, I, like, there's no time in between, <laughs> unless it's like a, a, a Reginald Barkley thing, and like she's seeing like worms and shit fly around. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know? I immediately, I mean, when I saw this, I immediately thought of that character in Altered Carbon who was stuck in her her 
thing. It, it would that ended up being a subplot of the first season. Do you know how much little kids love to have the same thing read to them or watch uh, the no, same that, thing? They, actually, they do. But, <laughs> yeah, not that, over that and over. Bothered at all. <laughs> not like no, I, I about just, any time in between. Mm. Right, but, but I just found it creepy to a degree. I, I realized what he's doing, but I mean, she doesn't really get to have a life. She's stuck in that buffer the whole time, <laughs> and why they had to be. And also, I felt like this needed to be revealed maybe a couple episodes from now. Yeah, episode three, or, or there needs to be a reason why he's so circumspect about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, which they didn't even of... go into, and it's just kind of there. It's just kind of. Popped if out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. If they're gonna have this reveal, they should have done it like episode six or seven, mm-hmm. and they we should have been seeing like little bits of Mbinga hiding it, and yeah. then and we're like, what? What is he up to? Exactly. There also needed to be a real reason why he couldn't have her on the ship and be doing that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Like, like if he had a medical issue that you know he could you know you would suspect that he would go to the captain and be like before i accept this assignment you have me on your ship i you know you need to understand i have to have a dedicated power source in my sick bay because my dick is made of jello <laughs> you know like something my something daughter has is to... <laughs> in this briefcase and i need to plug it in well my my, my the other thing that i thought of was i mean they kind of still need a transporter in sick bay so <laughs> they need to put another one in there. Something I guess have never had one before. Yeah, um, and, I mean, but, you know, they have, but not, not a not dedicated on T- one. Not, 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 not prior to TNG. Yeah, right. No. Well, actually, no, they never had it. Oh, I guess the Voyager had one, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, Voyager had one. Yeah, but anyway, one thing I uh, 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 while we're shitting all over <laughs> some some positive <laughs> stuff, I really loved Mbenga's office, his desk and and, and office area because it was a real. It was a great call back to McCoy's office without being a carbon copy of it, you mm-hmm. know, with like cu- bottles of colored liquid on the shelves and a skull. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, the I skull. Really I saw the that. skull. I, I like, saw oh, the skull okay. too. Like, okay. was, yeah. And I, I loved how much like the, the people going nuts and, and slamming their faces through glass and, and trying to hurt themselves to get to light. Just it felt so much like TOS. Yeah. Like it was exciting and painful at the same time i was just like oh this is great and awful (laughs) (laughs) ensign deadbeat what are you doing smack yeah (laughs) we recreated a holographic sun but the other the other complaint i had was of course we have a crewman who's immune and can cure everybody that tends to be a trope in every iteration of yeah. star, star I mean, trek it's usually data or spock or you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's it's all it's all and and I, maybe not the best choice but the the chimeric antibodies if i'm not mistaken was a throwback to genesis the the god-awful tng episode where everybody was devolving into things uh, yeah. Ooh, became yeah. a spider and that's a yeah. bad one yeah <laughs> man my uh my brother-in-law does not know star trek like at all he grew up on star wars and he just never understood because like he you know i'm one of his best friends my our my co-host on star trek universe is one of his best friends and he's just like always heard us rattle about star trek for years and he's just like i just don't get it but he had never seen an episode and somehow over the course of like 10 years he saw three episodes of star trek and every and he just wandered in and turned on the television and it was on and it was that episode Oh no! Over and over and over. Okay. He is the only one they made. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's it. That's it. He was like, I just don't understand why they're always like turning into like giant alien spiders, and I'm like, <laughs> dude, you watched the same episode like three times. There are like but, 800 episodes of Star Trek, and I and I will admit that is a bad episode, but it's I terrible. love that episode. <laughs> it's the it's the best bad episode. Um. Okay, so the, the the part of the show where we do trivia, I'm going to start calling it the Observation Lounge. So we're going to head over to the Observation Lounge now. Okay. This episode we need was to come direct- up with like music for that or something. Yeah. Okay, I'll come up with something. Yeah, uh, it should be like a little like turbo lift door, like like a like you hear a turbo lift door and you hear uh, a voice that says entering the Observation Lounge. Da 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 da. Uh, so this episode was directed by Leslie Hope, and she previously played Kira Norris's mother in oh, a Star Trek right. Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, Excuse me. 
it was wrongs darker than the Wrong. death of night from 1998 yeah. so one of the darker ds9 episodes yeah yeah uh the focus of the episode finds the enterprise trying to find out what happened to the colony of illyrians although a seemingly okay so this is this is where i got this a seemingly unrelated alien race called illyrians appeared in a 2004 episode of enterprise called damage uh, but I, as we said, we're not sure if they're the same Illyrians or, you know, just a, a separate sect of the same species. Uh, there's a composite of Illyrians mentioned throughout a number of Star Trek novels. And as we know, they are kind of canonizing some of the stuff from the, just like Star Wars is doing. They're taking some stuff mm-hmm. from some of the novels, uh, especially some of the later novels yeah. and um, and putting them in in the story. So it's like when if you have Thrawn a shows wall, up in Trek, I'm going to be pissed what what'd you say if thrawn shows up in trek i'm gonna be pissed oh no. <laughs> and i was saying it's like when you have like a hole in the wall but you have company coming over so you just like pick up like pillows or something and like put it over the like don't don't notice all the holes in continuity here's some fan service <laughs> look at this remember the extended thing remember what diane duane wrote remember that <laughs> here's control look at control see it's not the board it's control see um <laughs> Starting in the 1988 book Vulcan's Glory, written by original series Powerhouse DC Fontana, it was established that number one was an Illyrian. Uh, Several novelists have run with the concept, which existed outside of actual canon, including David Mack's first Star Trek Discovery novel, uh, Desperate Hours, which featured the crews of the Shinzu and the Enterprise teaming up before uh, what happened in Discovery Season 2. Number one and Saru did it. (laughs) <laughs> the uh the point is Almost. that from 1989 to 2017 star trek books have been trying to make number one status as an illyrian a thing and now it's actually canon with a wrinkle because before in all these novels being illyrian didn't carry the kind of stigma that it does now um can i, can I say i was i was gonna i was just trying to mention this earlier and and got sidetracked um this thing that the current writers of Star Trek are seem to be very enamored of where, you know, something happened in the past. And so the Federation outlawed it with an absolute blinded fury that there is no exception to it. Like the, the synths in Picard and uh, the planet you know, that the, the guardian is on or something like that. Uh, or Talos, well, Talos four being in Talos four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's just I, I it doesn't feel right to me in a Star Trek universe that an entire race would be ineligible for uh, application uh, for for becoming part of the Federation because they do something that we banned years ago, mm-hmm. you know. And so the fact that that Una has to hide who she is to get into Starfleet is like. You know, I'm I'm not going to say it's wrong or or you know they you know they they can't do that. I mean, it's their show, and you know this has happened, so I have to go with it. It's just it, this concept that you know for some if something goes really wrong, then the Federation is going to ban the fuck out of it. Just really doesn't feel particularly in keeping with the Star Trek ethos that we've seen for the past fifty years. Well, well, she's not the first one that we've ever seen that's had to lie their way in the Starfleet, right? Didn't Bashir have to do that? Yeah, yeah. And, he was also uh, eugenic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's also yeah. uh, that from, I think it was the drumhead, that nurse that was half Romulan. Yeah. He had to lie mm-hmm. and tell everybody he was Vulcan. So. Well, that wasn't, yeah, but, but that, you know, and that ended up being pointed out as incredibly wrong and antithetical to starfleet values yeah but that's also a a really common trope throughout all of star trek is that uh, the federation and starfleet are kind of dicks yeah (laughs) they're a bunch of old white guys who throw down a lot of bullshit rules i mean Mm -hmm. that's why like you know when you we they keep doing it and the point is not that you know the heroes or or the people they work for are always good the point is that we're striving to be better and sometimes we have to deal with these assholes in power yeah. um you know shit i think the movies were all about the bureaucratic mentality yeah. so <laughs> you know that's why it's so maddening to me a little bit and just like because i think there's such a good story there 
I would love to go back and explain why women weren't allowed on the bridge before the cage. Like, and I would love to see it. I would love to, because I, it's like, there's, there's some, uh, you know, even in, in our history, women come to power, women are accepted as, you know, powerful. And then slippery slope, here's something, you know, a hundred years later, all of a sudden, like they're not allowed to ride bicycles. Well, I mean, yeah, they did like, that with the, I mean, they did that in TNG where suddenly here it is, Star Trek six, a woman takes over as the chancellor. Suddenly in TNG, women can't be on the council, the Klingon council. Like what? Yeah. Where, where this? What? Yeah. <laughs> what, what did Ezit Bohr do that made them say no to that for, you know, like I would love to see like, in, you know, in my head, which I get, they're ignoring it, but I think it would be really cool to have like, you know, a situ- a, a mini series or something, some great war where they try to, uh, an enemy tries to take them down with uh, a biological weapon only affects the women. So they have to like, yeah. you know, they use that as an excuse to get the women off the bridges out of Starfleet. <laughs> and then that's where the pack leads came from (laughs) (laughs) like i think there are are interesting sci-fi ways that you could do an allegory for like a slippery slope just like with kurt being prejudiced against the klingons like i know you know this is the future we're not supposed to be prejudiced uh everybody on that crew was hated the klingons yeah yeah he hated the klingons because they killed his son who he knew for all two hours why was (laughs) Chekhov a dick about him he literally said everybody was a die yeah (laughs) Like all of them, let them die. <laughs> Chekhov was definitely against them. He was like, "Guess who's coming to dinner?" Yes, <laughs> like everybody on that bridge crew was pissed about the Klingons. Plus enough to smell them. Obviously, we had conspirators trying to like. Man, I love Star Trek Six. It's so fantastic. <laughs> Pink blood and everything. <laughs> so the it. um the first uh this is the first full confirmation that Laan is related to Khan. Uh, Una even says his full name in this episode. Both Una and Laan are very familiar with the history of the eugenics wars. Uh, Spock's not present when they're talking, and later in Space Seed, Spock makes a point of saying that there's no official records. You know, yeah, I was like, there's no official records of the eugenics wars. It's very <laughs> unclear, <laughs> except you know, for you know, number one and Laan, they, they know all, all about it. Do Do we think? But, because I, I was, I you know, I watched this a second time this evening before we we uh, recorded tonight. I'm definitely getting a we're X's vibe from Lon and and. I kept know. thinking a student teacher vibe, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I I'm, I'm getting a yeah I'm getting a uh, 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 more of a big sister little sister kind of thing from them myself. But Rick, I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, Mbanga, did you, did you pucker up when Mbanga <laughs> when when Mbanga called the Enterprise the flagship of the fleet? Because yeah, when he said when, when he said that, I was like, Rick's not gonna like that. <laughs> uh, I, I no, I didn't like it, but I have to. You know, it's okay now. It is. I guess it is it, now. It wasn't before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always got the impression that the that the Enterprise was like an old just an old war horse basically like it was, it was yeah i mean it was supposed it was to be just part of one a, of one of 12 yeah. constitution classes in the fleet it wasn't until the the uh, 1701d that she became the flagship right but that yeah. kind of has re- done this sort of uh mandela effect retcon and everybody started assuming every enterprise was the flagship of the fleet at the time um which was not at all true um, but now it is. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's why I say it's a different universe. It's okay. <laughs> uh, the series of <laughs> Star Trek Lower Decks clearly established that junior officers and cadets not only have roommates, but they often have tiny bunks that can be sealed off. So <laughs> yeah. they, brought, they brought that back in this. Um, Una makes a huge point to Laon at the end of the episode that Illyrians genetically modify themselves to adapt to planets in another round of roundabout wrath of khan reference this seems to make the illyrians like the opposite of the genetic the genesis device so instead of terraforming a planet to meet their needs they transport themselves to, to match the planet that they're going to mm-hmm. well it's uh, like the cytherian that we meet in one in uh, in tng one of the actually not half bad uh first season episodes 
where or no no it was no it was the one the nth degree it was it was later when the reg gets turns in, into this like super genius and he he totally rebuilds the ship and creates these super engines and then flies the ship to this dude who's just you know a big head and uh and he he says we don't go places we bring places to us. It, yeah bring <laughs> yeah. you to, uh, yeah. to us yeah <laughs> all right well that's uh that's all i've got do you guys have anything you want to add before we close up um the galactic version of gary mitchell <laughs> yeah <laughs> up, uh, just bring it over the styrofoam silver cup <laughs> uh no i think i hit all the points i wanted to uh, okay. I, I mean i'm still enjoying it as much as as much as we're you know we've been dissing on it i i think it's interesting that i'm finding that while i have complained in the past about the the uh, serialized nature of the other trek shows that are on now uh and how odd it is that this is you know this is the way of television now and you know most of the people if not all of the people writing for discovery and picard um you know they're young enough that this this is the paradigm of television to them too they're still kind of not doing it very well Mm -hmm. and yet and now we're seeing they're also not all that good at episodic either because (laughs) i you know i'm enjoying the show and and again it's you know throughout all of these shows and even even the kelvin uh movies um while i don't always think the stories are the best uh and i have some aesthetic issues the characters are great and the acting is top notch and i really you know i i can't complain about any of that mm-hmm. and i'm really falling in love with chapel uh she i mean although she's basically agnes gerardi just with a different haircut um <laughs> so uh but i i just She's not as mopey. Yeah, well, no, no she's, she's way more confident. She's a, little, she's a little more chipper, yeah. yeah. Um, but she's like when Agnes is in in her manic phase, that's Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm again for for all of the the experience that the the people doing the show have had. It's still the first season of a brand new show, and mm-hmm. so yeah. that you know. It's uh, what we saw today was nowhere near as bad as the naked now. (laughs) So, you know, there were certainly, you know, callbacks to that. And, you know, and we've, we've talked about the naked now before how it really doesn't do any good to make your characters act out of character when we don't know what their character is yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah. At least this was, nobody was particularly out of character. They were just doing stupid shit because they were, you know. Um, So I'm, despite, all the criticisms i'm enjoying the show i'm loving the characters i am i am absolutely eating up what little pandering they're giving me you know every time they bring in a, a new care a, a new character who's someone we've known before um i i'm 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 loving it i'm, I'm still along and i i really love the look of the new enterprise most of the time i think they're just and and this is i'm pretty sure uh, you know, trying to keep the 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 JJ fans happy because JJ's ships were freaking enormous. Mm, yeah. You know what? What was it? Pike said to to Chris Pines Kirk. You know, your father was captain for ten minutes and he saved a thousand people or seven hundred people or something like that. And mm-hmm. you know, the Kelvin should have been a lot smaller than the Enterprise, but Abrams has no grasp of scale. Um, <laughs> and but lens flares. Yeah, lens flares, and everybody can see everything that's happening in space from anywhere else in space. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I, and like the 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 turbo lift system in Discovery, that's just like a whole universe unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I definitely have issues with all of this stuff, but overall, even even questionable Trek is still better than no Trek, and I'm love I'm loving being able to watch this and, and going along for the ride well I've, I'm, yeah i've had to resign myself to this is before tos and now they have replicators and they didn't have replicators you know back then they even said in voyager harry kim even said in that episode about sulu and everything they didn't have replicators back then <laughs> well and, and in you tos know. kirk had to go and push a button on a wall to address the ship now they're just yeah. talking out into this into the mm-hmm. air like mm-hmm. on tng and it mm-hmm. bugged me the first few times and then i was like 
you know, if I'm going to quibble over everything, I'm going to be miserable watching the show. So I'm true. just going Very true. Just gonna mm-hmm. take a breath, unclench, and just enjoy the ride. <laughs> All right. That's going to do as, it for as us much as I week. can. <laughs> Make sure that you check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash infinite potato. We've got some movie commentaries there for you that you might enjoy, including the one that we're going to be recording here in just a few minutes. So uh, you can join us there for as little as $3 a month. So come and pay us a visit. In the meantime, if you want to con- contact us on the show and let us know what you thought about this week's episode, come check out the website at infinitepotato.com and click on the link for that Star Trek podcast and you'll find our Facebook group, our Twitter page, our email, and more. Jen, thank you very much for being here with us tonight. Uh, thank you as always for having me. Where can we find you? Oh, on, pretty much. On the internets. <laughs> pretty much all around the Infinite Potato Network. I, I kind of pop up here and there. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you for being here. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Where are you at? I'm, I'm just in my house. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Star Trek Universe podcast or uh, if you're into the DC comics films on uh, or in television series, uh, DC on screen is that podcast. All righty. And yeah. Rick, thank you for being here as well. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Where can we find you? (laughs) (laughs) You can find me doing my bad announcer voice. Um, You can find me uh, probably in a urgent care facility nearby uh, or uh, on Starbase 66 or, and I actually, hopefully I've got a couple of admirals tables coming up if I can make them, get them scheduled. Um, And what else do I do? Oh, open the iris. Uh, we're, we're getting that back into full swing, uh, the Stargate SG one show and, um, any other show that, that will, will have me. I was, I actually guested on, uh, on my friend's, uh, foundation podcast called stars end, uh, oh, cool. okay. no, it's not earlier this week. Cause this is Monday. There is no earlier this week. I did it on well, Saturday. Sunday. Technically. <laughs> All right. Uh, be sure to join us as we return next week to discuss the next new episode of Strange New Worlds, which is titled Memento Mori. Until then, remember, the lights are on, but that doesn't mean we see clearly. Bye.